Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today we have a crazy revenge story of getting a roommate to drink a liquid you're not really meant to drink. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my neighbor insisted on me getting a fine. A few years ago, my wife and I lived in a middle-class neighborhood in the suburbs on a quarter-acre lot. We even managed our dream of owning about a dozen chickens. My five-year-old son and I would go door-to-door in our neighborhood to sell the excess eggs, mostly to teach him how to work, etc. The only problem was that we constantly battled with raccoons and stray cats that would attack and sometimes kill our birds. We'd catch several raccoons and traps every year. On the other side of our fence lived a couple of female students in their 20s who were roommates. Their front door faced another street so we didn't talk to them often unless they were buying eggs from us. I'll call them Susie and Mandy. They owned two huge dogs that would run around their backyard. One night, a stray cat attacked, and one of my chickens flew over the fence into Mandy and Susie's property. We got a call from the city to collect the chicken. I walked over and found it hiding in the corner of the property, directly on the other side of the fence. I was as polite as I could be. It seems that the sudden appearance of this chicken emotionally rattled Susie and Mandy. I explained that we lose chickens from time to time to raccoons, so it was great that the hen was alive and well. Then I apologized profusely for any inconvenience and gave them my phone number. They didn't say much other than to thank me for coming over to retrieve the chicken. Not long after, the animal control officer stopped by our house. She looked embarrassed to be there. According to the officer, Mandy and Susie both insisted on us getting a fine for the mishap with the chicken, $50. The officer said that she would have been comfortable with a warning given that this was the first offense, but since the offended party was insistent that there wasn't much of a choice, we took the fine. About two months later, one of my chickens was badly mutilated by another predator. The hen was in pieces throughout the coop, and at least half of it was missing entirely. I gathered its carcass in the early morning and chucked it over the fence into the neighbor's yard. My wife reported screaming and barking from that side later that day, but no visit from the authorities. I loathe any story about neighbors like that, people who are just so insistent on making things harder for no reason, giving people a hard time, especially involving animals. I feel terrible for the chicken, but I'm honestly glad that they were left trying to figure out how to clean up that mess when they were willing to try to get OP in trouble for having a live chicken scared and cooped up in the corner of their yard. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, if you think the classic rock music is too loud, try non-stop hits from the Big Bud Radial Armsaw. Many years ago, I was on a construction crew and we were building apartments across the street from a retirement complex. One of the FOPs got the bright idea to complain about how loud our radio was during the day. Mind you, we were across the street on a very large lot with multiple buildings going in, and we were not the only contractor on the job. 
I doubt any of the buildings on the job site were within 40 meters of any building in the retirement complex. The radio was always tuned to the local classic rock station, so nothing too obnoxious, and certainly not that loud for that scenario. We had a great big radial arm saw that we towed from job to job. I was usually the sawer on the job, and I ran that saw and just cut packages for most of the day. After the radio too loud complaint came in, my boss moved my whole setup directly across the street from and as close as possible to the retirement complex and told me, I want that saw running at 7am sharp every day, which I did. I tried to post this as a comment a few months ago, but the auto moderator deleted it. Now it's a full post. Petty revenge to the second power. It doesn't surprise me that there's some complaints going on when it's a retirement home. But, I mean, if there's construction going on, it's going to be loud, and there's really not much you can do about it. And I think even most police in most cities are going to overlook it because it's just, that's what construction is. Our next story is, younger brother kept stealing from my room, so I returned the favor. Just got reminded of the story by another petty revenge. So, many years ago, when I was a college freshman, 18-year-old male at the time, My younger brother, 12-year-old male at the time, would constantly take things from my room. Pretty typical behavior, but I would always tell him to just ask and I probably wouldn't have a problem with it. However, he was notorious for not returning it and for tearing it up. It was bad when I lived at home, but it got worse after I left for college. I came home for Thanksgiving break and noticed several of my things missing. I went into his room and there they were. I told little Brosif to stop and if he wanted something for my room, to just call and ask first. I also warned him that if he kept it up, there would be a reaction. When I came home after for Christmas, more stuff had gone missing. Since experience is sometimes the best teacher, I decided to reciprocate. While little Broski was still at school, I went into his room and removed all of his clothes and I hid them. To be fair, I just stuck them in the hall closet right outside his room. Later that night, about 8.30 or so, he was taking a shower, and then all of a sudden I hear a, what the heck, where are all my clothes? He comes down to the living room with just a towel, freaking out because he can't find any clothes. I casually mention that I'd warned him before, and I'd taken all of his clothes. He starts screaming and freaking out, and then turns to my parents to side with them and make me tell him where his clothes are. Unfortunately, my parents were pretty much in stitches and did not rally to his cause. Eventually, I reunited him with both his under and over garments and warned him that next time, he would have to find them on his own if he continued to take my crap. After that, he started asking to use my stuff, and I like to think that I helped save him from a life of degeneracy and misery. He's now an orthopedic surgeon, and I'm pretty proud of him. You're welcome, people of the world. Feel free to mail me my Nobel Peace Prize. All I'm left thinking is is that this revenge wouldn't have worked on me. Before I shower, I always make sure that I just pull out whatever I'm going to wear afterwards, even if it's just the most basic nighttime stuff. I think that just comes from growing up with siblings though, because you don't want to be in a situation where you're compromised longer than necessary. At least I don't. Our next story is, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. About a decade ago, I was hired for a pretty unique job in my field of study, and I was so excited to start. I'm flown down to train for a week with my new manager who had interviewed me and I thought seemed nice enough at the time. I was very wrong. I'll keep the description simple. This manager was literally the worst. I quickly discovered that she was a micromanaging southern mean girl. Definitely that kid in kindergarten that would yell, Teacher! Billy is chewing on his pencil eraser again! Kind of energy. 
Nothing I did was right. She called my office multiple times per day to check in. If I answered the phone, I was asked why I wasn't out doing my job. If she left a message because I was out, I was asked why I didn't answer the phone. During one of our annual team meetings, she meant to text another manager something. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Nitpicky about me, and the message went to me instead. She literally just said, oops, when I asked what I just received. That kind of crap wears on a person. Three years to the day I was first hired, I was laid off with half the team. It sucked, but I found a new job where my skills were unique and celebrated. My new manager is supportive, hands-off, and reasonable. I've been promoted almost every year, just had my six-year anniversary, and now I'm part of the management team for our program. No one else in the company does what I do. The bad memories from my last manager experience faded away. I was happy. So I'm working away one afternoon right before Christmas and get a message alert from LinkedIn. It's her. It's the worst manager. Worst manager said, Hey, I just had an interview with one of my programs, and they mentioned knowing someone else that worked for last company. Mid-interview, I couldn't quite think, but as I was sitting here eating lunch, I was like, OP, smiley emoji. I hope you're doing well and just wanted to let you know it made me smile. She mentioned you had provided some stories about last company, and I couldn't help but laugh because there were so many. Anyway, have a great holiday and hopefully we'll be working together again soon. Oh no. No, no, freak no. I reply to her, ha, 
Seems like a lifetime ago. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. I immediately instant messaged the interviewing team and asked if they had just interviewed this person. They had. They loved her. They were in the process of drafting an offer. All I typed was, if you hire her, I quit. The lead interviewer started a conference call. At some point, we had all shared horror stories of bad managers. I asked them if they remembered mine, and they did. I explained that my story was about the person they just interviewed. The lead interviewer said, The last thing we need for this team is someone like that. I'll tell HR to stop her offer, and I'll wait until after the holidays to let worst manager know our decision. It was a really tough decision after all. A very strong candidate pool literally let worst manager twist in the wind for two weeks for me. Did I mention I love my management team here? Not all managers go to bat for their people, and even fewer join in on petty revenge. I can never quit now. We did fill the position, by the way, with another person from my previous company that I advocated strongly for. I hope worst manager knows. It's so slimy how they pop up acting like all of the crap that they pulled did not happen and they were never aware of it. I mean, there is just something so frustrating about the, hey, how's it going? I hope we can work together. Our next story is, pro bro roid rage cuts me off and he is the one driving away huffing. I was driving an old truck that looked old, not flared fenders old, but square headlights and boxy design old. I was turning right on a green light and across the intersection, a much newer truck was turning left, where I was turning. My truck was chugging away making the turn and this other truck peels it and zooms into my lane just as I'm rounding the corner. Normally I wouldn't care much, but then he slows right down to a crawl as I'm revving ups for second gear. Again, old truck. I give the horn a toot, which was an aftermarket Auga horn in and of itself, lighthearted and funny. He does not speed up, but the single lane opens up to two when I take the left as that's the way I was headed. We both arrive behind two lanes of stopped traffic right beside each other and he yells from his high mount, you got a problem bro? I said yeah, if you're going to cut me off at least gas it pal. He fumes and yells, there's two lanes. I said not after the light there isn't. He has both arms out the window screaming and says, want me to get my badge out? Traffic is starting to roll and I say, what's that gonna do? Make two lanes back there? He screamed almost in agony and started punching his steering wheel as I pulled away and made my left turn. Very petty, very satisfying. Honestly, people who act like that, I feel like if you catch them on camera genuinely acting like that, you should be able to turn that in and they have to like take some kind of mandatory road rage class. Like if you're going to get that heated because of a mistake you made, probably shouldn't even be on the road. Our next story is, snobby classmate bullied me, my revenge got served to me on a platter. I, 22 year old male, went to an international primary school in an Asian country. Kids from all around the world and rich students went there. I was about 8-9 to years old in the story. This white South African girl, let's call her Jay, who reeked of white privilege, was the most rude and snobby girl I knew. And even as adults now, her social media indicates that she still is quite snobby. In this story, she's roughly 8 or 9, like me. She could be quite rude to anyone, but she was definitely rude to me about loads of things like my height, or my clothes, etc. One day at lunchtime, I take my ball out of my locker to play with my friends at the courtyard. 
I'm holding it whilst walking down the stairs when Jay snatched it out of my hands and after asking her to give it back, she kicks the ball out of the school landing and into the courtyard. I asked why she did that and she said something like, because I can, loser. I trudge downstairs in defeat to look for my ball and see a very disgruntled teacher at the courtyard entrance. My ball is a few feet away from her and her lunch is spilled all around her. I quickly put two and two together. I realized the ball had hit her and made her drop her lunch. She was ticked. At first, she thinks I did it. I quickly explained that it was my ball, but that Jay was bullying me and took my ball, then kicked it out onto the courtyard where it must have hit her. She eventually takes my word for it and says, Tell Jay to come here right now. With great pleasure, I think to myself. I walk to the cafeteria and sure enough, see her lining up for lunch. I walk up to her and I say, remember when you kicked my ball off the stairway a few minutes ago? She has a smug look and says, nope, that never happened, not even looking me in the eyes when lying. I say, well it did happen and guess what? That ball hit the teacher at the bottom and she spilled her lunch. Jay stops smiling and now she's looking right at me, with the biggest crap eating grin on my face. I take a step closer to her and say, she wants to see you right now. I believe she got sent to the head teacher or something. Either way, she cried. We're both in our 20s now and even though I don't really talk to her, I pretty much don't hold any grudges. That being said, even in our teen years, she was still the same type of person, but she didn't bother me much anyway. We follow each other on Instagram and wow, I could definitely say some things about her life choices and predicament today, but it's not my style and I don't want to risk giving too much info about her. I'll just say, maybe somebody reading this would be able to identify exactly who OP is if they recognize that they were the ones or were witness to this ball getting kicked into the teacher's lunch, but I think you're going to have a hard time accidentally revealing too much information about somebody who just makes poor life choices. I mean, sadly, that's a dime a dozen, and in the Pro Revenge subreddit, you're going to find plenty of people who did do that. Our next story is, my sister used to casually steal from my room. Many years ago, when I was 17 years old, I graduated from high school and moved into my mom's house where my other siblings lived, including my 15-year-old sister, Nicole. I was what you might call a loser. I worked at a buffet and I had a pay-as-you-go phone so I could call my mom to pick me up at the end of my shift. Nicole, on the other hand, had her own cell phone that she paid for. She had worked from a young age and she spent a lot of money. She was a cool kid and would go out late at night with friends. My sister, at one point, was grounded from her phone by my mom and stepdad. She went into my room and stole my pay-as-you-go phone and drained it out over the course of a few days. She was actually grounded. I didn't even notice until it didn't function one day after work. She had used hundreds of minutes. I felt so violated because I even went as far as to hide my phone and she still found it. Around that same time, I noticed that my change jar was emptier than it had been, and that loose cash from around the room was missing as well, around $200 in all. This girl was robbing me. I wasn't the only person she was robbing. She had gotten caught stealing clothes from name brand stores at the mall. She was on juvenile probation. I wanted to get even. One day, when she wasn't home, I walked into her room and grabbed an important looking box from her closet. It was full of women's underwear. I paused, shrugged, and took it anyway. The box was pretty full. I couldn't help but notice how much lace there was. I found out years later that my sister was sleeping around at this age. 
Heck, I'm no expert, but there were probably in excess of 40 pairs in that box. I took the box straight to the backyard and stuck it under an old canoe. I had never seen that canoe used and it was now a fixture of the backyard. Nicole was furious. I could hear her on the phone accusing her friends of stealing her underwear. She only had the pair she was wearing and now she was broke. The loss of her underwear drove her up the wall for weeks. I'd never seen her so on edge. I learned yesterday that she would have to clean out her last pair almost every day and that my mom refused to help her in any way because she didn't trust her friends and thought this would be a lesson to her on who to let inside our house. Eventually, I became a suspect. In hindsight, I was probably low on the list of suspects and she was desperate. I shouldn't have said anything at all. Instead, I said, gee, that must really suck to have someone steal from your room. I can't even imagine. We locked eyes. She knew. I knew she knew. She knew that I knew that she knew. I gave her back her box. She stopped stealing from my room. We lived out the next year together in relative harmony. I mean, it was a good learning lesson for them, but if I were her, I would be making sure that I cleaned those extensively because if it was just sitting outside in the backyard, especially under some canoe, I mean, it's possible that dust and dirt and, I don't know, mold or growth could get there. But I'm also just thinking about what creepy crawlies could have been crawling around in that box. I mean, if I were her, I don't know even after multiple wash cycles if I'd even be comfortable putting those on anymore. Our next story is, you should have been nicer if you were going to cheat off me. In high school, I was a bit like Hermione Granger in the worst way. I was just an awkward kid who understood the material as well as the teacher did. I was that odd kid who read history books during the summer for fun. I'd constantly be raising my hand in class with the answer, looking for validation. That kind of behavior got me picked on quite a bit by a certain group of students in my history class. They would tease me, mostly behind my back, but they weren't above cheating off me on the tests, as they were difficult, and they knew that I knew the answers. Very few of my test scores in this subject were below 100%, as history was or is a passion of mine. Initially, I was flattered, but over the semester, I got the sinking feeling of being used as these same kids didn't show me respect in any other way. Our final history exam was a 50-question-plus multiple-choice test that would be worth 30% of our grade. The stakes couldn't be higher. The teacher wrote the questions to be tricky. On the day of the final, I scanned through the test in a few minutes. I knew the material and felt confident. My peers on either side of my desk were watching to see how I'd answer. Their neighbors were, in turn, discreetly watching them. It seemed as if the entire side of my class was hanging on my answers. I answered the first three questions accurately. Then I went for the almost correct answer every other time. This resulted in a roughly around 54% score. I was careful to let the other kids see my test. Then when I finished, I waited and stared at the wall with my test still in front of me. The time was running out, and my classmates all began nervously turning in their tests until only a couple of students on the other side of the room remained. With five minutes left, I stood up abruptly, crinkled my test into a ball, and threw it into the garbage. I was trying to be dramatic. It worked. You've never heard such a stunned silence. I quickly grabbed a new test from the table. There were still a couple there, missing students. With a shocked smile, the teacher said, There's only five minutes left. I didn't care. I had spent the period memorizing the correct answers. With no time to spare, I answered the questions in a complete whirlwind. 
A B C A B D D D A B C C A B B. My friends told me later that everyone was staring. I didn't have the bandwidth to see it. With 10 seconds left, I turned in my test. The kids that had cheated off me looked pale and sickly, in a state of shock. They knew that I'd screwed them over, they just didn't know how badly. There was nothing they could say or do. I was one of three students that had an A in that class that semester. The average grade was in the low 60s. That low grade for my classmates ended up knocking several kids out of the running for valedictorian several years later. Oddly, I was treated with noticeably more respect after this, and I wasn't cheated off of again, as far as I could tell. I'm just imagining how it would feel as the teacher in that situation. You sit there, five minutes left, and this kid gets up, crumples their test, and throws it away. You remind them there's only five minutes left. They sit there, and they just go A-B-B-A-C-A-D-D-D, and they get an A on the test afterwards. Does that not make you feel like they clearly had some kind of test bank or some kind of cheat? Our next story is, school denies me my prescription. I told them I wanted to call a parent. Little did they know. Throw away, because this story could totally dox me. I don't care if people figure out who I am from this post alone, but don't want everyone knowing my anonymous Reddit username. I was abused by my dad's wife growing up. My mom fought long and hard to gain custody, but my dad was a good Christian with more money, and he didn't fraternize with black people. Given our location, my mom stood no chance. She finally got custody when I was old enough to where my opinion mattered. I switched from a fancy, extremely competitive, snobby private school to the local public school by choice. I dyed my hair green and put a gay pride sticker on my car. Based on where I was coming from alone, I was a C student at fancy school so it wasn't my grades. I was placed in all the honors and AP classes the school offered. Teachers didn't know what to think of me. I had green hair, this was considered absolutely shocking at the time, and my friends and I were bullied for many things, including this. My bumper sticker was definitely the most controversial topic in the entire school, but I was quiet. I came from fancy school, I paid attention in class, I was earning straight A's. Thankfully, although most of my peers shunned me, my teachers realized pretty quickly that I was a decent enough kid. I had a problem where I got migraines, finally got a prescription for them, non-narcotic, and took it straight to the nurse's office because the district had a zero-tolerance policy, and being in possession of even Tylenol would get you expelled for drug possession. The nurse says, you're going to have to get the doctor's signature on this form. I say, why? It's a legitimate prescription with my name on it in the original bottle. The nurse condescendingly says, we're required to have a doctor's signature before we can dispense medications. Me, giving zero freaks, replies, How do you think I got the prescription in the first place? The nurse decided to impress upon me the fact that I was powerless here and that there was absolutely nothing I could do except comply. I left the office stressed because I didn't have access to my migraine medicine and of course ended up stressing myself out into developing a migraine. Call me a Karen but I felt entitled to go to the nurse's office and be dispensed my medication and so I politely requested it be given to me. The nurse obviously told me no, so I asked for the principal, got the assistant principal, who simply reiterated district policy. Then it occurred to me that it was within my power to get my medicine, because I had a secret weapon, so I had to be sneaky. I said, I'd like to call one of my parents. This phone call wasn't intended for my dad, a financial consultant, 
it wasn't to my mom who worked in sales and advertising. Of course I wasn't calling Step Monster, but my stepdad, on the other hand, just happened to be our region's most famous radio talk show host at the time. And he was on the air for another two hours. The assistant principal brought me the phone book, those existed back then, and I looked up the radio station's number in the yellow pages without the assistant principal figuring out which business I was calling, called the radio station and got the front desk. Of course, lots of people call them, ask for him and get absolutely nowhere, but I knew they would interrupt his show and he'd take the call if I told them I was his daughter royal. In all my life, I had never had a situation that warranted me calling him at work. I was hoping he'd take the call while on air, but he didn't want to air what was likely private business. So he put commercials on while I explained the situation. Then I suppressed a crap-eating grin while handing the phone to the assistant principal to talk to my stepdad, Bill. I managed to poke her face. The assistant principal didn't realize he was talking to Bill Jones when he dismissed my concerns and even suggested I should be denied my medication simply due to my pants, which I'd been wearing half the year without problem but apparently were a uniform violation that day. Assistant principal basically explained that's just how it is and tough luck and did not realize the crap he'd just stepped into. He hung up, dismissed me, and walked off looking pretty self-satisfied at winning his little power trip. I went to class feeling victorious. I hadn't won yet, but I'd played my cards and knew how it would turn out. Stepdad got back on air and immediately changed the topic of discussion to the ridiculousness of the district's medication policy. The phones lit up. Turns out lots of people wanted to air their complaints. I was sitting in class, migraine kicking in, but I was feeling satisfied that their lack of respect for me and all the other more powerless students were sitting the fan. I timed it. 45 minutes after I was arrogantly denied my legally prescribed medication that I needed, the assistant principal came into the classroom I was in, knelt down beside my desk and whispered, Hey, you want to come take your medication? Fallout, even more fun, because the school wanted desperately to expel me, but while I 100% can be a troublemaker when I want to be, evidence, this post, I never did anything for which I could have defensively been disciplined. They had nothing on me. I knew it. They knew I knew it. And they knew they couldn't get away with making crap up because Bill Jones. All my friends were seniors and the school admins didn't realize until the last day of school that I was a junior. I could see the panic in assistant principal's eyes. You can take one summer course in English and you'll be able to graduate early. I said absolutely not. I haven't submitted any college applications and most of the competitive schools I'll be applying to require more than the basic minimum to graduate. I'll be here for another year. They said, would you like to take your high school classes at the community college instead? You'll get high school and college credit. This was a barely heard of program at the time, but they wanted to get rid of me so badly, I got to rack up a year's worth of college general education credits during my senior year. They tried to freak me over, so I freaked back, and since they couldn't punish me, they rewarded me just to get me to go away. 
Honestly, if you've done that well in high school that you can get those college credits, there were a few kids in my school in senior year that were doing something like that. I was never a stellar high school student, so I never did anything like that. But even kids who didn't even do college stuff, they would just show up for two classes that they needed and then just dipped for the day. Honestly, it made me pretty jealous. Our next story is, my college roommate used to steal from me. He drank my pee. Back in college, I was roommates with a guy in my same group of friends. He came from a rich background and had a very entitled attitude. Over the couple of years that we were roommates, he stole food, weed, beer, and possibly money from me and our other roommates. He used to go out, get drunk, come home, and raid the fridge in the middle of the night. Our last semester, our group of friends went to a house party where he got drunk and was being his usual jerk self. He got into a verbal argument with my girlfriend and we ended up leaving the party. Back in my apartment, I had two red stripes left. I drank one, but I knew I would wake up the next day and the other one would be gone. I carefully opened the bottle without bending the cap too much, poured three-fourths of the beer down the kitchen drain, I know, and proceeded to empty my bladder until I refilled the red stripe bottle. Put the cap back on, bottle back in the fridge, and went to bed. Next morning, there was the empty bottle next to the one I'd thrown out a few hours before. Now my question is, were they drunk enough that they legitimately didn't notice? Or did they just start drinking and they were like, man, this is the worst red stripe I've ever had, and then continues to take a few more sips? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.